Let us open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I like to read from verses 14 and 15 only. And verse 14 says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar, and the ground of the truth. By the grace of God, I'll be speaking on the subject, how you can help this church grow. How you can help this church grow. Many times when people come to church, their intention is to take something from that church. A miracle, a wife, a healing, a deliverance. But we are now turning it the other way. How you can put things into this church. If there's anything you have taken from this church, it was because some people put something into the church. Before now, the ministry has been going for eight years. And over the last eight years, several people have come and probably they are not here. They invested their talent, their skill, their energy, their labor, their youth in this church. And when you came, you were able to receive things from this church. Ministry of this church have blessed you, transformed you, helped you, strengthened you. There have been instances you felt you needed comfort. And the ministry of this church provided the comfort. So the, what we are going to talk about now is how you can help this church. Even if you are not a member of this church, whatever church you are a member of, how you can help that church as it were to grow. To grow means to improve. It means to develop. It means to increase in degree. It means to increase or get better. So how can I? That is how you need to behave. He said, I write this to you that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Let us pray. Father, we come into your presence with thanksgiving and with praise. Thank you for your eyes are over us and your ears are inclined to our prayers. As your children, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us. For we, your servant, heareth. Let your doctrine be still upon us like the dews upon the harps. And above everything, according to Philippians 4, 9, the things that we learn and receive and hear and see, help us to be doers and not hearers only. I will give you the glory and the praise for everything that we're going to do here today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In scriptures from the book of Genesis, God has always had a house. From the book of Genesis, God has always been known to have a house. In Genesis, God's house was the Garden of Eden. That was where he will come down in the cool of the day. He was living upstairs. And Adam was living downstairs. And the word of God says he will come down in the cool of the day to fellowship with the man that he had made. So God has always had a house. In the book of Genesis still, after Adam sinned and so God's, the dominion God gave us to the devil, God had a house again in Noah's ark. You remember the, the attitude of men was continually evil, according to Genesis 6.3. And so God had to destroy the dead old earth with water. And the, and the entire exercise lasted for half a year, 150 days. God had a house in the Noah's ark. 
in Noah's ark, that was where life was. And it was the place where the presence of God preserved eight people. Four men, Abraham and his three sons, and four women, Abraham's wife, and their three wives. So God has always had a house. In the days of Noah, it was in Noah's ark. When the children of Israel were leaving the land of Egypt on their way to the promised land, God had a house. What was it called? Tabernacle of Witness in the wilderness. God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle of witness. And that was the place where when people want to contact God, they all assembled. They always come before that tabernacle because that was where the presence of God was hidden. Somewhere in the holies of holies, God has always had a house. When the children of Israel entered into the promised land, God had, a, God had another house. If you read in Deuteronomy 12, 5, Deuteronomy 14, 23, Deuteronomy 15, 20, 16, 2, 17, 8, 18, 6, you will discover in all those scriptures that God put his name in certain places where he expected people to resort to. So God has always had a house. A place where he meets his people and where his people meet him. So God always had a house. Then David, when the time came, David desired to build a house for God. When they eventually settled down in the promised land, the conquest had been made and David became king. David's desire was to build a house for God. But because he was a man of war, he had killed so many people and a lot of blood was in his hands. God said, I don't want you to do it. First Chronicles 28, 10, therefore said God decided to choose Solomon to build a house. God has always had a house. God has always had a house. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 29, at the dedication of Solomon's temple, Solomon prayed a very strong prayer. He said, God, I want your eyes to be over this house and I want your ears to be inclined to everything that is said inside this house. When people are sick and they come here, let them meet you. If they are defeated by their enemy and they come here, let them meet you. And God answered in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3, that he was going to honor Solomon's prayer. So God has always had a house. And Solomon's temple was built. And the decorations of Solomon's temple, the things that they used in decorating it, several years ago I calculated it. It was like a total of $6 billion that was used to decorate Solomon's temple. According to 1 Chronicles 22 verse 5, there was a word used there to describe the size of the, of, of, of the temple. We say it was a magnifica. Check that word in English. You'll have an idea of the size. Nothing was spared in quality. You see people now meet you under the shed of a tree. Thinking because God, uh, where two or three are gathered together. God wants a beautiful place. You like a good house, don't you? I mean, look at the extent you go to make your house very comfortable. The plasma TVs, the remote controls, all the kind of things, your kitchen, even your shed, your shed at the back of the house. Look at how you beautify your house. God has always had a house, and his house has always been a place of holiness and beauty. He never spared anything when it comes to his house. If you look at the tabernacle in the wilderness, he gave clear descriptions as to what should be used. He gave men skills to put together the idea 
And according to what he told Moses, in the book of Exodus 25, verse 9, Exodus 25, verse 40, Exodus 26, 30, Exodus 27, verse 8, he said he should build it according to the pattern that he showed him on the mountain. So God is a God of specific things when it comes to the house. The house of God is a place of order. It's a place of order. First Corinthians 14, 14. Let all things be done decently and in order. And when there is order, then you need to learn how to behave yourself in the house of God. Now, when the New Testament kicked in, what happened? God said, look, I'm not longer going to live in temples and synagogues. I'm no longer going to live in tabernacles, in the ark of God. I will not live anymore in some boat like Noah's boat. I will not live anymore in a garden. He decided to make our body his temple. He decided to make our body his temple. Now, when God moved into our body and our body became the temple of the Holy Spirit, you find this in 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God now said, look, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. For God, and as far as we are concerned, in great life connections, this place is God's house. This place is God's house for us. Now, I want you to understand. I want to give you some definitions of things that will give you an idea of what God's house is or what church is. Church is. Now, number one, the church of God is where his people meet. Any place where God's people meet is called church. The church of God is the place where his people meet. So this is the house of God. This is where we meet. We meet here only to meet God. You could meet on the, in the stadium of Chelsea, on the stadium of Old Trafford. That is not God's house. Those are places where we meet for other activities. The purpose of the meeting is what makes a place God's house. So the house of God, the church of God, is where his people meet. This is the place where we meet. If we move to another location, that will be the place where uh, people, that would be church as well. In the Bible, the New Testament, the word church appears 114 times. Of the 114 times that it appears, 96 times, the word church refers to a local church, a local gathering like this. That is church as far as God is concerned. Number one, church is where his people meet. Number two, church is also where he meets his people. This is the place where God meets us. Now, he meets us individually in our homes. But more than that, for the purpose of collective worship, he meets us here. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. This is the place where he meets his people. Number three, the church also is where he inhabits. Where he inhabits. In other words, where his presence dwells. You know, before we came here this morning, God's presence was not really in this place. But immediately you and I come, he said, we are two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. So the church of God is a place where his presence or where he inhabits, where the presence of God can be seen. God is here. God is here. I remember the Jeffrey brothers who are great evangelists here in the United Kingdom so many years ago. 
Whenever they come to any meeting, the first statement they will make is, the master is here. And whenever they say that, signs and wonders begin to happen. You know, by the time you and I live here today, <laughs> and the students or whoever come here tomorrow, they won't have signs and wonders happening here. But while we are here, this is the place where God inhabits. So that's the church, the place where he inhabits. Number four, what is church? Is where he walks in and walks on his people. This place is a mechanic shop. God works on you here and works in you. He works on your attitude. He works on your thinking. He works on your desire. He works on your relationship. He works on your mouth, the way you speak. He works on you and he works in you. Philippians 1, he said, I'm confident of everything that he was begun a good work in you. God works on your health here. He works on your mental health. You know, he corrects your thinking through the messages that are preached. This is a mechanic workshop. This is a hospital. People come here sick. I always tell people this. Church is like hospital. Various people have various ailments. It may not be apparent, but various people carry various challenges. So the church of God is a place where he walks in and walks on his people. Number five, the church of God is also a place of reference to him. This is your spiritual address. If you want to go and marry now, in Living Faith Connection, they will ask you, where are you from? You this boy with beards. Where are you from? Say, I'm from Great Light Connection. You have a home address. You have a work address. Okay? This is your spiritual address. This is what makes you marriageable. I remember one man who came some years ago. He was speaking gangster English. He wanted to marry my daughter, my only daughter, my only begotten daughter. And I say, what are you looking for? He said, Agast to love her. I said, oh, yeah. On your way. Agast to like her, Agast to love her, Agast to be here. I said, look, this girl, where are you from spiritually? No fixed address. This is your fixed address. That is why your commitment to this place is not a subject of controversy. You must be committed. You must be grounded. You must be planted. You must, be, you must have roots. If you don't have roots in this place, we cannot claim this place to you your spiritual address. So if you go somewhere to get married and they say, who is your pastor? Say, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Oh, no serious father will give, serious Christian father will give the hand of his daughter or even son in marriage to a charismatic Christian who does not have fixed address. You know, here they say bring proof of address. Everybody, you know that? You want to open an account? Bring proof of address. So when you want to marry or you want to do things spiritually in the kingdom, they ask for proof of address. So the church of God is the place, not just where he walks in and on his people, is a place of reference to him. It's a place of reference to him. It's a place, if someone comes here and says, I need a pastor who is going to pray for me. You know what? On Monday, they will say there's no pastor here. On Tuesday, they will say there's no pastor here. But you see on Sunday, if they say, I need a pastor, they will direct them here. Because this place is the house of God. It's a place of reference to him. Number six, the church or the house of God is where God meets our needs. Some of your needs have been met here. Some of you got your spouses here. Is there anyone who got spouse here? Some of you had need. You got your babies here. Some of you got promotion here. So have you got help with your career in this place? It is the place where God meets his people. 
is the place where God meets the need of his people. The church of God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The place where your need for fellowship, need to appreciate you, need for affection is met. One of the most unfortunate problems in life is to be lonely. But the church of God is a place where you can have friends. It's a place where you can develop close association and relationship with other members of the body of Christ. So the church of God is a place where he meets our need. And then one more, number seven. The church of God is a place from where his people reach out. This is a place where we reach out. This is a place where we reach out. This is a place where we reach out to unsaved souls. This is a place from where we reach out to the poor. This is a place where we reach out to other people. You know, the church of God is a place where his people reach out. God has always had a house. And the seven things I just mentioned are things that, the, that his house serve. That is, that his house serve all those seven things. So God has always had a house. Now after saying that, let me now say something to you. Something of great concern to God is that his church should grow. God's church should grow. There is nobody who does not want to grow in his business or his career. There is nobody who has a business who does not want his business to grow. The church of God is God's business. He said, I will build my church. So God wants his church to grow. If you are not aware of this, God wants his church to grow. In the next few minutes, I want to give you some reasons why every church must grow. Why every church must grow. Then I will give you the dimensions of growth along which every church should grow. Then I will tell you how you can help this church to grow. Now, every church must grow because God's word commands it. God's word commands that every church should grow. God wants us to make disciples by winning souls, to mark disciples by baptizing them in water, and to mature disciples by teaching them. God wants his church to grow, and he has commanded, God's word command that a church should grow. Number two, the second reason why every church must grow is because of the need of the people that only the church can meet. The real need of people is life. That is what people like, have and, and uh, lack. Everybody in this world was born in sin and iniquity. So the real need of people is life. And only the church can provide it. The church is a ministry of eternal affairs. The church is the place where life can be ministered. When a church reaches out, they are ministering life. So every church can grow because there is a need for what we have. There is a need for life. And that is what we have to offer. So every church must grow because of the need of the people that only the church can meet. Number three, every church must grow because Jesus wants it to grow. Matthew 16, 18 said, I will build my church. I will build my church. He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That word build means I will develop. I will improve. I will make my church better. It is something that Jesus is ready to work for. That is why every church must grow. 
Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father walked hitherto, and I walk. If Jesus is interested in working for church growth, all you and I need to do is to walk with him to make it possible. He wants his church to grow and is committed to the growth of his church. Number four, the fourth reason why every church must grow is because of the nature of the church. The church is not an organization. The church is not a building. The church is not just a structure. The church is called body. And our bodies grow. If the church is called a body, a body of Christ, the one thing you know is that you have grown from the stop tuber-like yam that you were when you were born to what you are now. When I see some amazing people at the seven feet two, I always wonder how from a tuber yam of a baby, they have grown to that height. So if God calls his church body, it means even from the nature of the church, the church is expected to grow. Number five reason why the church must grow is because the New Testament demonstrates church growth. The Bible tells us in Acts 1.15, from 1.12 to 1.15, the people that started the early church were just 120 people. By the time you read Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 people have been added. By the time you read Acts chapter 2, verse 47, he said, God added to the church daily, such as you be saved. By the time you read Acts chapter 4, verse 4, 5,000 men, apart from women and children, have been added. By the time you read Acts 5, 14, he said the number of the people multiplied. By the time you read Acts chapter 6, verse 1, verse 7, you discover that the church grew and multiplied. It was, first of all, addition, then it went on to multiplication. Three plus three is six, three times three is nine. Four plus four is eight, four times four is 16. So God, the New Testament shows the pattern of church growth. The New Testament shows the pattern of church growth. For those of you who have been in the United Kingdom here, redeemed Christian Church of God have grown. I was here in 1989 when there was only one redeemed Christian Church of God. One. It was pastored then by a man known as Dave Okwade. You know, and then he wanted to renew his paper. He couldn't renew his paper. So he left for Germany. That was our day of calling day. Who came here to buy printing products? I'm telling you history now. Frightening history. He came here to buy printing products for his business back in Nigeria. That was how he became the pastor. Many, even regional pastors like Pastor Shegubioye, he was the keyboardist of the church. His wife was the, they were not even married then. His wife was the praise worship leader. Yes, I'm talking about 1989. And now look at where we are. The church have grown. So the New Testament pattern is growth of church. And God wants his church to grow. The sixth reason why the church of God must grow is because opportunity for growth abound. This is the last days. These are desperate times that if people don't have God's help, they can't survive. The church is the greatest product that helps people survival, if you don't know. God's help is needed for this time we are living in. And that's why the church must grow. If the church can help people, then the church can always attract more people. There's no reason why we should not grow. Because we have the right product. And the opportunity serves us better. It's like somebody selling pure water when there is sun. Or somebody selling tea when it's winter. 
Of course, opportunities are bound for growth. When I see churches struggle with growth, I just imagine, look at you, in the midst of plenty, you're suffering. In the midst of plenty, you're not getting so much done. Number seven, reason why we must grow is because, whether you know it or not, great life connection, the greatest key to church growth, we already have it. Oh, what is the greatest key to church growth? The greatest key to church growth are the members of the church. The members of the church. This church is where it is today because you people have just done this far. If this church will grow, you will have to do much more than what you are doing. You are going to have to do much more. The greatest factor of church growth, great churches are product of great members. Great ministries, where you hear great ministries like Lakewood Church, they are product of the people there. The people there are the people that made the church great by their various efforts. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants this church to grow. I've been here in the last three years. And I can tell you, we can do so much more. We are talking about above all others. You need to also go as a church above. You need, you need, to, you need to exceed your own expectation of yourself. It's time for us to do it. Every church can grow because I've given you seven reasons why. Now, in the next few minutes, I want to share with you six dimensions along which a church must grow. Six dimensions. Now, I'm giving you so many points here. They are taught for food and food for thought. I want you to ruminate on it. I want you to consider it. I want you to examine it. I want you to think over it, meditate on these things. So that you can give yourself to church growth. You know, in here we enjoy everything. But this is not where we are going. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here have we no continuing city. We seek another to come. How can I help this church? Now you may be in this church. In the next five years you may not be. But while you are here, leave footprints on the sands of time. Be able to put imprints and indelible impressions of when your own time was here. There were some of you who were not here two years ago. I was talking to the fitness, fitness man. Brother Diario, Tiario, whatever. And I asked him, when did you join this church? He said, this year. So you were not here before. But let it be that for the short period, you are going to be here. Leave footprints here. Do your best to, 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 to let it be that what the history of this church is written, your name will be conspicuously mentioned. So God wants this church to grow in six directions. Number one, he wants us to grow upward. How can a church grow upward? A church grows upward when it becomes the vision that God had in mind when he set it up. God called us great light connections. Now the point is, are you shining? Are we becoming great lights, really? In our communities, in our families, in our home, in our streets, in our place of work, in our schools? Growing upward means we begin to look like what God had in mind when he set us into motion. Before he called us, he knew us. Before he ordained this ministry to be, there is a picture in the mind of God that we need to grow up to look like. 
So that when God looks at us, he'll be happy. There was a picture he had about Jesus. And when he looked at Jesus, he was happy. Isaiah 53, 11. He said, shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God wants this church to grow how? Upward. Number two, God wants this church to grow downward. How does a church grow downward? You need to have a property of your own. To grow downward makes you established. You are grounded. Many of us don't want to remain tenants in the natural. I mean, you've been working for so long. Now, when you now become a landlord and you have a house with your name on it, it appreciates your value. We need to grow downward. We need a facility of our own. A church without a facility is still a fellowship. Because when you move from the place where you are using to another place, you can lose half of your members. I know a pastor here in London who has been in London. He's had ministry for 15 years. In the last four, 11 years, he's been moving, moving, moving. When I went to a church recently, they were 15. I still remember them when they were 110. But because of movement, here, move, 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 here. There are some people that are moving away even from this building, away from this canary wharf or Dockland or whatever area it is called, will make them to find it difficult to continue with the church. So the earlier we get a place and put our roots in the ground, that is growing downward. Ephesians 3.17 says, rooted and grounded. Colossians 2.7 says, rooted and built up. If a church is going to be fruitful, it must have tap roots. We must have a place where our root is. You will lose members when you keep moving. Your moving should be such that when you move, you have a facility where you can give expression to everything you imagine to do. How can you help that church? How can you help this church to do that? What should be your contribution? What is your vision about that? We can't be fully happy being here. Nobody is fully happy being a tenant. I know what it is to be a tenant. When the landlord changes their mind, you are in trouble. And I know I suffered in the hands of many landlords in my own personal life before I became a landlord. You know the effort you are making to buy a house. Why not buy a church? Many people are so concerned about their own houses, they forget God's house. Hey, guys, chapter 1, verse 4, you read down to verse 9. God said, you run to your own houses, but my own house you forget. Nobody seems to be bothered about it. When the pastor spoke this morning, I said, God, you are, the man is seeing my heart. I've been coming here in the last three years. We can do so much more if we grow downward. Then number three, grow inward. Every church needs to grow inward. Our members need to mature. Our members don't need to be Sunday, Sunday Christians. We need people who do things in season out of season. No people who will say because it's not today, I'm not coming to church. Because it's rain, cat and dogs, I'm not going to be able to come to women's fellowship. We need to grow inward. A for accountants, B for bankers, C for contractors, D for doctors, D for dentists, E for educationists, F for farmers. We need to grow in our mix. A for Angola. B for people from Belgium, C for people from Cameroon, D for people from Denmark, E for people from Estonia, and so on. That is growing inward. A church needs to grow inwardly. 
We must have other mix. We must have other brown. This is London, not Lagos. So it's important for us to pursue that vision. We need to grow inwardly. Our members, the quality of our membership must improve. We don't want good fishes that have no golden coin in their mouth. Fishes only with mud in their mouth. One of our pastors came to me and said, hey, our churches are only full of Samaritan people. I said, because you are preaching a poor gospel. If you preach a rich gospel, rich people know quality when they see it. And they are attracted to quality. That's why your message and your service conduct must be excellent. The more excellent we are in the way we do things, the better we become. The more excellent we must, we must grow inwardly. We must become better at what we do, better how we do it, better in terms of when we do it, better in terms of which kind of labor we put to work. How you can help your church grow? The church needs to grow upward, downward, inward. Number four, the church also needs to grow outwardly. What is outward growth of a church? Influence and impact. You need to impact your environment. We are the salt, Matthew 5.13. We are the light, Matthew 5.14. You are great light. Shine that light more. Grow outward. Reach out. Touch out. Have outreaches at the back of your mind. Your press team is a good team. You can go to the O2 there outside and begin. I was telling the fitness guy. I said, look, there are so many ways of winning souls and attracting attention. The conventional way of carrying a big Bible under your armpit and trying to preach to somebody does not work again. Neither they see the Bible, they say, mm -mm. But when you are doing fitness somewhere out there on the pavement of O2, where the Emirates overhead bridges, people will come and watch. It's an evangelistic tool. Your choir sings so beautifully, and they are good looking too. You can go somewhere by a seaside. You can go somewhere and just minister. And people will come, do barbecue during summer. Whatever you can do, grow outwardly. Look, life is not measured by the duration, but by the donation. The impact you make, the difference you make, the contribution made. Let us become creative in our thinking. Let us think of better new ways of doing good old things. There are Sundays where we just worship people. People will come to church if it's just praise and worship, no preaching. They love it. Today, I mean, I know that again and again. Whenever we have praise services in our church, the whole place is jam-packed. And then we get them saved. We give them food at the end of the day. You know? If you give them book, they may never eat, but food they eat. I can assure you. So let's grow outwardly. Then number, number five, upward growth, downward growth, inward growth, outward growth. Then I call one outgrow growth. Where you outgrow a facility. We need to outgrow this building. A second service should have been started. Let me say this to you. Church growth people say when the auditorium facility you are using is 70% field start a second service. That's the reason why we don't have a second service. Because we are 70% field. We don't have to wait until people are standing. Or people are now in the overflow and we are projecting video. There's nothing. You see, when you give people variety, it attracts some people. A second service will attract some people that this single service will not attract. 
I know some people who want to get done with church by 9.30. 8 a.m. I was somewhere, uh, I was somewhere about two weeks ago. The first service was 7 a.m. When I preached in 1 to 3 Cemetery Road, years ago, the first service was 6 o'clock. 6 a.m. Come and see people. Because some people want to come to church, get everything done by 8.30, and they have the whole day, not to wait until 11. You see, one of the ways to grow a church is to give people a variety and choice. The reason why churches have a second service is not necessarily because the auditorium is full, but they want to serve a different meal. I've discovered, for example, in our own church, the first service usually attended by older people. The second service attended by younger people who went to party yesterday and did not wake up early. <laughs> and that is how they, <laughs> that is how they come to the second service. So let's let's get this right. We need to outgrow. We need to outgrow this thing. Our church must outgrow some things. Just like in life, you and I need to outgrow some things. We outgrow our, our clothes. For those of us who have children, you can imagine how your children outgrow their clothes. And there are some insults you and I have outgrown. If you hear that someone is saying something about you, you say, no, look, small. I don't consider that to be anything. And the same way, church needs to outgrow some things. We need to outgrow some things. And one of the things we need to outgrow, our facility. We need to get better. We need to get better so that we can have better things happen in our lives. And then number six, a church needs to grow onward. Onward, Christian soldiers marching us to war. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like a shining light, shining more and more unto the perfect day. Ladies and gentlemen, my challenge is this today. How can you help us grow? You came here with talents. You came here with abilities. You came here with various experiences. What can we get from them? In what way can you infuse a new energy into the way we do things? In what way can you help with the experience you have had in other places? How can you help your church grow? Many times, people come to church thinking the church does not need help. There is no institution like the church that needs so much help. We need help. We need various talents. It takes everybody bringing the little they have on board for us to be the kind of church that God intends us to be. We need, the, we need the giftings and the talents and the skills and the experience and the exposure of every one of us. That is the purpose of team, T-E-A-M. Together, everyone achieving much. We need your help. Pastor may now talk about the fact that he needs your help, but I'm telling you, we need your help critically. You know, this is not what the pastor can do. I was talking somewhere and I said, there is no shepherd that can give back to a sheep. Shepherds don't give back to Have you ever seen a shepherd deliver a sheep? It is sheep that deliver sheep. So you are the sheep and you are expected and required to deliver sheep. Point to the sheep you delivered this year in this church. Point to someone that followed you to church. Point to someone who you brought to church, you invited to church. How can I help this church grow? You need to begin to ask yourself, like one time American president says, is that not ask for what America will do for you, but begin to ask yourself what I can do for America. And that is one thing that improves every church. If every member now takes it as a responsibility and a duty to help the church grow, this church needs growth. 
I've been coming here in three years. I'm not joking when I say the church is growing. I know it. I travel all over the world. In a few days' time, I'll be in Australia for five weeks, preaching about four or five Australian cities. I come back ahead to Belgium, and then I come back ahead to another country. Now, and I've seen this thing everywhere. There are churches that have been going the last 10 years, in the last 15 years, in the last 20 years. And I tell them this same thing. And for those who have an ear to hear, the difference is clear. How can you help this church grow? You've done all you can to grow your career. You've done all you can to grow your relationship with your wife. You've done all you can to grow in life as a person. We need your help. We need your help. Man, I see God's method. God, we don't send angels to grow this church. Psalm 17, verse 14, it says, Man, at the hand of God. Whenever God wants to get things done, he gets a man. Who will go for us? Isaiah 6, 8, who shall I send? Jeremiah 5, 1, he said, God seeking for a man. Ezekiel 22, 30, he said, I sought for a man. God is looking for men and women who will help this church grow. That's the reason for this message. We are looking for people. Some of you have been sitting on the fence for too long. Bench warmers, cheer warmers, onlookers, spectators. We want you to enlist. We need your involvement. We need your commitment. Much more than what we have. We can be a better church if every one of us get better. In our involvement and in our commitment. In the next few minutes, as I have time, blessed are they I keep to time. For they shall be invited back. <laughs> I have about 25 minutes. In the next few minutes, I want to give you about 8 or 9 or 10, depending on how many I can give you. Ways <laughs> in which you can help your church to grow. Number one, a church cannot grow if it does not have its own building. The building you have becomes an inspiration and a challenge to concerted efforts. So help your church acquire a building. Even without the church raising money, begin to put aside some money. Just like you put aside when you are trying to buy your own house. Begin to put aside some money for the building of the church. And when you are buying a building as a church, don't buy a small building. Don't. I, I knew Ora Robert as a person. I visited him and went to be part of his conference several times. There is a small plaque on the table of Ora Robert. He says, make no, make no small plans here. Because small plans have no power to inspire men. Make no small plans. When you are going out there, strike for a magnifica. Strike for something gigantic, enormous and colossal. Something that befits the status of our God. Great light himself. If you want to accommodate, like the president of this ministry, you don't put him in, in, in premier hotel. Or Ibis budget. You look for something that befits him. So we need a building that befits the vision we have. You all have befitting houses. I've not been in many of them. But I know that if the house does not befit you, you will sell and buy something bigger, isn't it? Oh, I'm speaking your English now. <laughs> so the point is, the first thing you need to do to help us grow, help us get a building. 
and make sure that we don't just get the building and spend 10 years to renovate. No. The money we are raising is to acquire the building and put it in the right shape. Solomon never spent 20 years to renovate the building he built. He built it from the scratch. Why? I was telling churches, I said, listen, some of you need to build from the scratch. What's wrong with it? You, 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 you buy building off land, don't you? Why can't as a church we do that? Why don't you blaze the trail and charge a cross? They have never done it before. It's, for, it's a story of people who are not inspired by God. When God inspires you, you say, no, they may not have done it before. Who will blaze the trail and charge the cross? Who will be the first in that generation to make it happen? Whatever they say, they have done something before. I'm already very happy because I'm going to blaze the trail. I'm going to cross the line. I'm going to exceed limit. I'm going to set the standard like God's word called us to. That's number one. Now, number one is to help this church grow, we need a building. Pastor told you, he said next year. Many of you can say, how will these things be? Knowing that we are not many. That's not what it takes. It takes faith. Begin to spend faith like currency. Use faith as currency. Faith like currency. Spend your faith to purchase from the kingdom of heaven what you cannot probably physically afford on earth. Number one, the first way you can help this church grow is to help us get a building as soon as possible. Let the vision of the pastor come to pass. He has seen us out of this place after eight years. Do you want to hear this building? Do you want to take it over? This is a university. This is not a Pakistani building on the highway. This, this university building. How long do you want to be here? How long? You feel comfortable, but please. God told me years ago, he said, I am the comforter of the afflicted, but I'm also the afflictor of the comfortable. When you are in a building for too long, or when you live in a person's house for too long, it begins to show you the top head of a yam. To let you know that you have overstayed your welcome. Number two, how can I help this church grow? By you growing yourself. You have to grow. You have to grow in your career. You have to grow spiritually. So that the pastor will not concern himself with things that have to do with you anymore. He will not take care of the young people who are coming to the faith. You have to grow financially. When you grow financially, the church grows financially. When you grow in your relationship with your spouse, pastor have one less case to be settling quarrel. Because every time he looked at me, he slapped me. He called me names. He said, I'm not beautiful. I'm not handsome. I'm poor. I'm not like my friends. Now, if you grow, say, look at your name and say, grow up, baby. <laughs> How can I help this church grow? By you doing what? Growing yourself. If you grow, this church will. You see, when someone grows, they become conscious of their responsibilities more than ever. When you are five years old, you never knew it was your responsibility to strip the house. But when you get to 15, 16, you now see it's your responsibility to clean the chairs, to, to provide breakfast. You see it with growth. With growth, people become more aware of their responsibilities and stop acting like dependents. You need to grow. And one thing is when someone grows, you see them begin to walk. You know those people who come to church without being workers? They are, they are new needs. Go and look at that word, new needs. New needs means children, little children. Because, you see, you can't grow in your family and not know you have responsibilities in the family. 
You can't grow as a husband and not know you have responsibilities in the house. So the second way to help this church grow is by growing yourself. The third way to help this church grow is by praying for us. I'm not talking about praying like 10 hours, 6 hours, 2 hours, 30 minutes. No. If everybody here will spend 5 minutes every day to pray for this church, it will affect this church. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24. Paul said, faithful is he who has called us, who also will do it. In verse 25 said, brethren, pray for us. Hebrews 13, 18. He said, we have a desire to live honestly. He said, but brethren, pray for us. Pray for your leadership. Pray for their homes. Pray for men in this church who have refused to get married. Senior boys. They are just looking, 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 looking. Move. You this old cargo. Pray for men. Pray for women who are still doing slay mama. It's time to be slayed. Pray for, pray for the women. Pray for families. Pray for our programs. Pray for our events. Pray for our programs. Pray for our events. A little prayer will go a long way. Begin to put prayer. Prayer is the capital that we give God with which he does business in our lives. This church is not receiving enough prayer. I know the feel when I go to churches. I know the feel when I attend conferences. Uh, but we declare three days. Uh, this church needs daily prayer. Daily prayer. Everybody giving a little bit of the... You pray for yourself daily, don't you? If you are serious about your life. And you are not careless with your life. But you see, even if you pray for yourself, you don't even, even if you don't need prayer, this church needs. We need prayer here. You may not need prayer. You are already there. You are complete. You are okay. But this church needs prayer. We need more prayers. Supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer is not, it doesn't require any specialization. The effectual father prayer of a righteous man. If 100 people in this church pray for this church, five minutes a day, that is 500 minutes of prayer. Don't you think it will change things? Don't you think it will bring improvement? Don't you know that prayer changes us even as we involve ourselves in prayer? The Bible says when Jesus was praying, he was transfigured before them. Psalm 141, verse 2. He said, let my prayer come before you, Lord, like incense, the lifting of my hand as evening sacrifice. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. So this church needs prayer. We need prayer, not just for Jesus' conference, for Sunday services. Pray that the Spirit of God will move. Pray that God will anoint every speaker. Pray that God will anoint our keyboardists, our drummers, our sound mixers. Pray for them. They need prayer. They can do so, so better if they are prayed for. Stop criticizing them. Pray for them. The people who pray for, we don't criticize. The people who criticize, we don't pray for. So what am I saying now? I'm saying we need your help. You need to help us grow. You need to help us improve. You need to help us get refined and better in whatever we are doing. And these are practical ways of doing it. Two minutes, three minutes of prayer. We help on your place to on your way to work. Just say, I'm praying for great light connections now. Lord God, I come before you this morning to ask that you bless our pastor, anoint our pastor's wife, all our ministers. Let them have a vision of what you intend for them to do. Let them follow your leading. Let them not be sidetracked or distracted. 
Let them focus on the call that you've given them and what you have at this year. Our program for this year, we pray for our men, we pray for our women, we commit them to your hand. You lead and guide them aright. You refresh the old ladies. They'll go back into production. <laughs> you refresh the families. You will make families develop and understand each other better. Just two, three minutes of prayer. It doesn't strain you. It doesn't weaken you. It doesn't wear you out. Number four. What can I do to help this church grow? You can help this church grow by helping other people within the church grow. You're a senior doctor. Help the junior doctors to grow. You're a senior nurse. Help the junior nurse to grow. You're a senior businessman. Help the junior business people to grow. It's called personal discipline. You already know how to read the Bible and understand it. Help to the people who are just young who are giving their life to Christ, help to improve them so that they too can read the Bible and understand it. Personal discipline. Help other people grow. There is a church in the United States. I knew them when they were just about 50 people. I still remember the day when three of them came to me and said, this was in the, this was in the 90s, late 90s. I went there in 1997. And so these young men, three of them came to me and said, Sir, and there is this uh, a program software called Oracle 7. It was days of Oracle 7 and Oracle 8. They said, we have passed the exams and we are very good at it. So we are going to set up a free school. And the only thing is that to do this course in town is about $7,000, $8,000. But we are going to make it available free of charge to everybody who is a church member. People started coming to that church. And the only condition for attending the school free you must join the church in membership. You go to foundation and membership classes. And when you graduate, they give you a certificate. You go and present it in this school. And they take you through the course. So these three guys started working on the people that came. The first set of students were about 16. 16 of them. And when they trained them and taught them, 14 of them passed the exam. The next one was about 32 of them. And out of the 32, 28 passed the exam. The church literally went from about 50 to 500. Because of this simple act, so simple, and yet so phenomenal. When you help people, you help them grow. And when you help them grow, you grow, and the church grows. The church is full of people that were recruited. In fact, the current leadership of the church, where most of the people that came to that church because of that cause. And the more people that pass the exam, the better the job they get, the more the tax they pay for the church. The church, I say it boldly, is the richest redeemed Christian church of God in the whole world. I'm telling you this. As a fact, not as an idea. As something that I know. But look at how it started. Just three boys. God using three people to help others. Helping others is a way to grow a church. Because when you help people, they won't forget you. When you help people, they will surely become part of that church. So how can I help this church grow? By helping other people to grow. You see people come in who have just probably located on this country. They don't know their way. You are Jinta. You've been here for 28 years. You are, you are like Britico. You call them and say, hello. You look strange. Are you just coming? Oh, yes, I came. I came about seven months ago. What are you doing now? What kind of course are you doing? How are you settling now? Where do you live? What do you do? 
Where do you go? Who are your friends? Do you have friends? Can I help in any way? That is how to retain people. One way to get people is to get interested in people's welfare. And it's so important that many, many times some churches don't know that how as simple as this thing is, it's one reason why people stay in some church and one reason why some people don't stay in church. People need help. People come to church with various challenges. And where they can help is where they belong to. In the community where we are, most of the people there are Muslims. You know what we did? We set up a social skill acquisition school where we train people in sewing. We train them in cooking. We train them in various things. Do you know these are Muslims? They come to church. They come to, nobody asks them to come. They say, ah, you, you, are, you are my God, though. You are the one that made my life. You make my life better. And they will come to church. Become part of the church. Who will ever question them? They have received help. People need help. There are people who come here needing help. You don't greet anybody. You don't mix well. When it's time to close, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you carry your bag and Bible. The love of God, you are in the eye. The sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you are in the eye already. Be with us now forevermore. You kick your car in the car. Now what is that? Mix and mingle. Salt is not effective until it mixes. Salt is not a light. Have to diffuse into the air before it can conquer darkness. You have to help others people to grow. You have learned something from your growth. You can help others to grow. And that will affect the growth of the church. I know some people who, who the way they have helped people in our church, businessmen, who help junior businessmen with loans without interest, help their business to grow. And that's why some of them belong to our church today, not because of any other thing. But the business you are doing, someone introduced them to it, and someone helped them with capital without interest. Number five. Is it number five now? How can I help this church grow? Listen to me. By making sure the church is full. This church needs to be full. How do we do it? Two ways. Number one, invite someone to church. Now, pastor, let me tell you something. Set a goal as to the number of new people you are expecting every week. In our church, even right on Sunday morning today, I watched the service before I came here. Combined service. We have a goal that every week, 100 new people will come to church. It's a goal that we have set. And when you set a goal, you make sure you work on your goal. Have a plan. Work your plan. So set a goal. Every member of this church will invite at least one person every week. There are so many reasons why people don't invite people to church. Some people think, well, is that part of what I should do? You know, the way your church is located, it's not easy to find. Though. And it's not easy for those who want to come. You know, but let me say this to you. Make a conscious effort to invite people to church. Psalm 122 was one. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Some people don't invite people to church because they think it's the work of somebody else. The work of everybody is the work of nobody. In our church, there is a man. Every Sunday, he invites not less than 20 people. One person. One person invites nothing less than 20 people. So I asked him one day, why are you inviting so many people like this? He said, I assume that nobody's doing it. I assume that. So invite people as if to say no one else is doing it. Challenge yourself. Set a standard. I will not come to church alone anymore. 
The Bible says in Psalm 55 verse 14, we took sweet counsels together. We walked to the house of the Lord in company. Come here with someone. Bring someone along. If you've tested and you have seen what great life connection is like, somebody somewhere can be helped with this same thing. If it has blessed you, it will bless somebody else. You have been coming back and coming back because you are receiving help. There are people like you in your place of work, people like you in your neighborhood, people like you who are roaming the streets who need the kind of help that you have. The kind of help you have received. So let us fill this place up. Every empty chair by your side is an indictment that you're not performing up to the capacity you have. Let us stop functioning below our capacity. Let us, the Bible says, go to the highway and the hedges, compel them to come, that my house may be what? Full. Oh dear. You know, there, in those days in Nigeria, deeper life. When a deeper life brother or sister invites you for a program, you are in trouble. If the program is 10 a.m., he will come to your house by 8. He says, I will sit down and wait for you. You want to eat, go and eat. You want to bath, go and bath. You will at least honor it. Not because you want to go, but by his continual coming, he will kill you. I don't even know what I'm talking about. They will sit on your neck. You know how you sit on people's neck when you prepare for your birthday? You know how you sit on people's neck when you, uh, you have your uh, wedding? Eh? You know, even for your one-year-old son, you know how you send texts? Tomorrow is you. Tomorrow new is tomorrow. Make sure you come home. No, but when it comes to church, you don't do that. Is that not selfishness? Did Christ practice that? Where did you see that from? This house needs to be full. Take it as a commission that there is a part of it that only you can do. Don't just invite people also win souls. The fruit of the righteous. Proverbs 11.30 is the tree of life. He that winneth soul is wise. Many of you are young people. And the Bible says, Proverbs 20, 29, the glory of those young men is your strength. You have a lot of strength. When I saw the way the choir was dancing, I said, yeah. This, and the choir always tried to punish us. We should stand because you are standing. No, we want to sit down. Is it clear? We have been standing since. Ushers, we have been standing. Now we want to sit down. They say, stand up. I want to stand up. It's your time to stand, so stand. Don't tell us to stand. <laughs> if we are blessed enough, we will stand. But please don't always punish us. <laughs> I was telling someone, I said, whenever I want to preach, I say I should stand. Okay, me, I'm standing and you are sitting down. If I stood with you then, will I not be worn out by now? <laughs> I have my own turn. I have my own. So let's get it right. What I'm saying is this. Let's fill the house. Hallelujah. Let's win souls. Proverbs 20, 29, it said the glory of the young men is their strength. The beauty of old men is their gray hair. So let's get it right. Do one of the both. Do one or both. Invite people, but also do what? Win souls. The real superstars in the kingdom of God that create joy in heaven are the soul winners. There is no soul, there is no joy in heaven because a crippled man stands up and begins to walk. There may be joy in your village. Or where it happens, or in the man's family. But in heaven, no. There's no joy in heaven, even if you go to a cemetery here and raise everybody. How many joy? 
happened in Lazarus' case. Even the Pharisees were not happy that the man we thought was dead. The people, the people that were owing the man money, when they learned that he had died, do you think they were happy when they learned that Jesus has raised the man from the dead? <laughs> Don't let me go there. Don't let me go there. Now, what I'm saying is this. Win souls. Create joy in heaven. Luke 15, 7. Said there is joy in heaven over one soul that repents more than 99 people who need no repentance. How many have I given you now? Five. Number six. How can I help this church grow? By being a good example. Number six. By being a good example in the church and a good ambassador outside the church. I always tell people this. If you want to know whether a Christian is a good ambassador outside the church, people will follow them from their neighborhood. People will follow them from their school to come to church. People will follow them from their places of work. If you're an ambassador out there and people see your light, they will want to come and walk in the same light. People see the life you're living that is of a high quality. People love something good. People love something that is working. And when they see you mirror, they say, what church do you attend? Say, I take great light connections. Can I come with you next Sunday? Why? Because they see in you what they like. They see in you what they want. So be a good ambassador, uh, example inside the church. That is how you can help your church grow. An example of a faithful family. An example of a tither. An example of a worshiper. An example that people will want to emulate. An example of the kind of person people want to follow. Be an example of the Christian. With the, that's the greatest thing you can be to anybody inside the church. Who looks at you the way you serve and wants to serve? Who looks at you the way you are devoted and want to be devoted? Who looks at you the way you handle your children and want children because of that? Who looks at your marriage the way you speak to your husband and want to get married? You know there are some marriages. You say, God, if this was marriages, please forget about me for now. But if there are some ways you look at some other people in the church and they said, if this was marriages, Lord, I want to get married. If this is how good it is, if this is how sweet it is, if this is how pleasant it is, be an, a good example within the church of someone who comes early. Ask yourself this question. If every church member is like me, what kind of a church will we have? If every church member behaves the way you behave, the way you keep texting during the service, if every church member does not, he gives 10 pounds offering and dances 20 pounds dance. <laughs> if every church member does not pay their tithe as and when due. If every church member is not faithful and committed to the cause of the gospel. If every church member is negligent of their duties and responsibilities. What kind of a church will we have? Ask yourself that question. How can you help us grow? We need you. Whether you know it or not, the hour has come that this church must break its former boundaries and exceed its former limits. Exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power. Let a new power be generated in your spirit. Let newness come upon the way you behave. Let a transformation come upon the way you act. Let it be a new day. 
I'll give one more here. Your money has expired. How can I help this church grow? By making sure there is meat in this house. Meat. One of the reasons why the early church grew was that there was meat in the house. Free food. Many people at times follow Jesus because of the food. Because of the food. What is the percentage of the tithe you pay? How much percentage of the tithe have you paid? I went to a Chinese restaurant recently. When they brought the receipt, they have added 18% service charge. So I asked them, is it not me who decide? They said, no, we have decided for you. How many of you have seen that before? Now look at men. These are all regenerated people. Look at the task they place on you. But God says, not even 18, 10. But since you put him on 10, have you increased it? Have you seen the need to raise God? Give God a raise. He has raised your level. You know who you used to be. You are no longer that. You are not yet what you ought to be. Agreed. Look at the car you have changed. So those cars you used to come and carry me. I was praying recently. When I grow up, this is the kind of car I want to buy. I'm just joking. But what I'm saying, you used to use probably a tiny little mini, mini mat. Oh, what was that? That's that, that small car. That's kind of smart, smart car. But look at the one you're riding now. Huh? Pastor John Afolaya, look at the one you're riding. <laughs> huh? Pastor Pray. Look at the guy. Now, what I'm saying is this. If you have bettered your life, don't you think you need to give God a raise? We need money now. We need money here. In our church, we don't raise money. We don't. Why? The people are aware of their responsibility. This morning, as I watched them, they call for tight. Over 500 to 600 people came out to pay tight. With that kind of devotion of members... What do you think the financial state of the church is? We have never bought anything on credit. We have never been in debt. Supernaturally, the people have been taught. And some of them project themselves. Let me give you one more. I'll just close with this one. In our church, we did a you know, review of our financial record. We discovered 86% of our members pay tight. 86%. <laughs> Most churches, they are not up to 26. 86% of our members pay tight. And of the 86%, 56% of them pay more than 10%. Since I gave my life to Christ, I've been raising my tithe. From 10, I raised it to 11, to 12, to 15, to 17.5, 20, 22.5, 25, 27, 30, 35, 40, 45. This year, I raised it to 50%. But do you know the embarrassing thing? When I raise my tithe to 50%, I, I mean, you have exceeded God's expectation when you do that. Because what tithe means 10. Now you are giving 50 for what you should be giving 10 for. How do you think God feels? In three months, January to March this year, in three months, I got, I got financially blessed more than I did in the last three years before 2019. In three months. <laughs> I went somewhere in January. I just I said, I should go up and pray. So I went there and I exhorted for five minutes. I did not even break a sweat. The boy gave me a check. Huh? 
I opened the check, five million naira. I said, did you make a mistake? I asked him, is it not 500,000 you wanted to write? Or 50,000? He said, no, daddy. He said, God touched me and said, I should give you. That is how God touches people when you touch God. Men are the hand of God. The hand, listen, finances, it should be the least of your worry. I don't remember when I, when last I sat down on there and said, God, give me money. No, 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 did. He said, if it shall come to pass. The Abraham blessing. If that, that jelly had the voice of the Lord God to keep his status and obey his command, he said, this blessing will do what? Run after you and do what? Overtake. Do you know one blessing overtake you? <laughs> oh dear. When, I, when I talk about some financial blessings, people say, why? Because I provoke. I give I, I, my offering level. There's a boy in our church. Every Sunday he gives one million naira. This boy was somebody we put on a salary when he was university of 5,000 naira. But now God has promoted and projected him. Every Sunday, one million. The Lord will take you there. I mean, blessed is a pastor who's got such people. But you see, they won't get there in one day. Before he started giving one million, you must be sure he was giving something. But he was raising it. I wanted to think about it. 10% is simple obedience, but exceeds God's expectation. And you will see the way he's going to respond to you. He said that honor me will I honor. Honor the Lord with your substance. And the first fruit of your increase. He said, then your vat will overflow and your flower shall be filled with abundance. How can I help my church to grow? Let there be meat in the house. Money answered. We need money here. In our church, offering taking is two minutes. We don't have anybody specially take offering. Mm -mm. You know that sometimes when you go and say, now our pastor, our friend, will help us take the offering. And then he will carry the Bible. And then he read about five chapters. Because of how much? Because of how much? Whoever preaches at the end, he just says, now it's time for tithes and offering. If you want to pay your tithes, stand up, come out. And then he prays for them. And millions come in. At times I ask myself, where, where is this money coming from? When the people are well taught and they know their duty, they are responsible. You know, responsible Christianity means you know what you need to do. One day I was speaking to a black American boy and he was telling me about, uh, I told him, I said, how do you finance the family? How do you take care of the family with all these problems you have? You are illiterate, you didn't go to school. You know what he said to me? He said, a man got to do what a man got to do. What, what that means is that a man, have had to, a man must do what a man must do. Listen to me, as a member of this church, you need to do what you need to do. Stop standing on the fence. Stop lackadaisical attitude. Stop being relaxed. We need your help. We need you to join us so that this church can grow. We need to grow financially. We need more money. Money answered. Ecclesiastes 10, 19. Money is a defense against insult. Money is a defense against insult. Ecclesiastes 7, 12. He said, wisdom is a defense, but money is also a defense. The excellence of wisdom is that he giveth life to him that has it. We need this church to grow. This is the message God put in my heart. I can go on and on and on and on, but I know that I've said enough for you to be able to act on. There is however a prayer I want to pray today.
Some of you have taught before now that you will increase your tithe, but you did not take the step. You just felt, I would like to give more. God has been good. If God has been good to you, you need to, show, you need to be thankful. If God has been more than good, you need to show compassion. Some of you have had this prompting. I want to give more. Many of you know big beans. There is no country I've gone to out of the 126 countries I've gone to that there is no big beans there. And what is in big beans? Tomato and beans. And that thing is in, on every breakfast table all over the world. Why? The man who invented big beans was given 75% of his income as tied to God. Colgate. Some of us use Colgate. The person who invented Colgate, the man called Colgate, was paying 65% of his income as tied to God. Mentholatum, not a bony kill. The man who invented mentholatum was paying 70% of his income as tight. They exceeded God's expectation. God, the man here, he's been dead for so many years now. But look at baked beans. For those of you who eat breakfast, I, I, went, I went to Eastern Europe. They were serving baked beans. So I asked them, come. Where did you get it? He said, where do they get it from? God expanded the man's coast. Expanded it. God, God advertised him. God can advertise you. Whatever inventions you bring to bear, God will support you when you know your duty as a grown Christian and you do it in God's house. You know what I'm going to do? This is just what I'm inspired to do. Bow your head, everybody. This morning, I know that some of you have been inspired before you to increase your tithes. Even if it's 10.5% or 11%. Because that money is not much. Or even 12%. Or even 13%. That is not much. You have always wanted to do it. I want to pray with you this morning. If you have ever been inspired and you feel like, look, sir, I want to raise my tithe level. I've been a Christian for 10, 12, 15 years. I think it's time for me to raise my time. My income has received a raise over the years. I want to raise my tithe level too, Lord. I want to do something better than whatever I've done. Or I never used to pay tithe, but I want to start. Because I have discovered that my, the church of God that I am in needs money. When you help your church, God will help you. When you help the fulfillment of somebody else's vision, very soon it will be your own turn. It will be your own time. You can never reap what you have not sown. If you are going to increase your tithe, or you want to begin to pay tithe where you have not been paying, I want you to stand on your feet wherever you are. Thank you for that. I want you to buy your head and tell God what you are increasing it to and the kind of help you want. Whatever we know we need to do, the best thing for us to do is to do it. Even if it's 10.5 or you have not been paying tight before, arguing with God. Hey, I don't earn salary. I don't work. 
Tithe is not on salary. Tithe is on any money that comes into your hand. The Bible said, upon the first day of the week, let everyone set aside, even as God has blessed them, so that there will be no gathering when I come. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2. Talk to God. Say, God, I'm making a, I'm making a decision here. I'm making a commitment here. God, I'm, I'm making a decision and I want you to help me. I want your grace for it. I want the anointing to rest upon me so that I can do this. Talk to him. Go ahead, talk to him. Speak to God. Talk to God. Tell him that look, this is what I'm going to do. I, I've seen the need. I've seen the. I've seen your expectation of me in this area, and I'm going to work on it. I'm going to make a change. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you right now. And so, precious Father, I'm praying with your children as they stand before you. You know the heart of every one of us. You know our uprising. You know our downstream. You know our thoughts of off. You know the decision that everyone here has made. You know the commitment they have made. You know what they need to be able to carry this out. Father, I pray for grace. I pray for grace for them to be able to implement this. As there has been a willingness, let there be a performance. In the name of Jesus. Whatever may be an obstacle in their way to stop or obstruct them from being able to do this. Let those obstacles be removed now in the name of Jesus. Let your power, let your grace, let your glory rest upon them in the name of Jesus. The support, the nourishment, the promotion, the elevation. Lord, let it be their portion in the name of Jesus. I know you expect that we should have done this as individuals, but now we have those hanging blessings let them begin to come and overtake them in the name of Jesus let their plowman overtake their reapers let the evidence of obedience be very let the evidence of obedience be clearly seen in their lives their finance, their jobs and their home thank you father in Jesus name we pray God bless you, be seated